0: everybody doing good good to see you guys to be seen by you guys who are online you know Rick is a great storyteller and uh, last week you may recall if uh, you were tuned in that he told a story about Wawa and uh, it was a great message if you missed the message you can go online and check out last week's message um, it wasn't about Wawa, and I, you know, got other things, but but I started thinking about Wawa, and the first time I'd ever heard of Wawa, you ever, you remember the first time you heard of Wawa? So for me, it was um, I had gone up to visit my parents. They lived up in Monmouth County, and um, as I pulled onto the one of the streets that goes into the community where they lived on the corner, there was a little construction project going on. And so when I got to my parents' house, I said to my dad, hey, what are they building on the corner out there? And he said, oh, they're building this new conven- convenience store and it's called Wawa. <laughs> it's like, you can't be serious. They're, it's Wawa? Wawa. Yeah, Wawa. I said, that is a terrible name. And how embarrassing that now when you tell people how to get to your house, you have to say, turn at the wah <laughs> So now I'm curious, you know, like, what is this all about? This was before Google. You know, I couldn't Google wah-wah. That's a weird statement, isn't it? <laughs> Talk about a weird name, Google. Anyway, so I, I look at uh, this convenience store and find out that its name is actually a Native American word for Canadian geese. So Wawa was started in the uh, eastern part of Pennsylvania in the farm areas out there and where the original Wawa was built um, as they were building there was a big field and it was filled with these Canadian geese and somebody plugged into this Indian word and so we have Wawa. Now, as Pastor Rick talked about, this name now takes on new meaning for us. It no longer sounds like a weird name for those of us from this area. When we hear Wawa, we think of convenience. We think of coffee. We think of gas and fuel for your car. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and it it's this kind of gathering place. And as Pastor Rick pointed out, it's, it's this community place and we even hold the door for each other. Names take on meaning. It's why we as parents, when we hear that we're going to be having a child, invest so much time in the name of the child because it's going to mean something to us and eventually something to this child as they grow Uh, into their adult lives. And so we spend a lot of time and effort thinking about the name that we're going to give to this child. When we named this church, it was really important to us as a group what the name of this church was going to be. We wanted it to say something about ourselves. And when the name Hope came up, I really fell in love with that name because it was a name that was so positive and it was so forward-leaning and inspirational and so forth. And, and I can't tell you the number of times over the years that people have talked about the name of this church and how it has inspired, just the name has inspired them. I wanted us as a community of faith to be associated with that name, Hope. So we are coming out of this series that we uh, just did, Life in Focus. And in that series, we talked about the fact that a life in focus is a life that is focused on God and living a life that is honoring to God because God is going to direct our lives and give us the perspective, the understanding, the priorities and so forth that are going to make for the best life that we can live. And so, as we were preparing that series, we said, you know, we should follow up with a series on the nature of God or the character of God. Who is this God who is our focus? And as we talked about that, we thought, you know, this is either going to be a really long series or it's going to have to be a short series, and we went with short. So, it's a two-week series about the names of God, all right? So, here's a little quiz. In the Bible, how many names are there for God? How many names in the Bible are there for God? I can't hear you, but I hear you're saying words, and that doesn't matter. It's kind of a trick question, honestly. The answer is somewhere between 1 and 950. (laughs) Jehovah's Witness believe that there is only one name for God, and guess what it is? Jehovah, right? Yeah. There are, there's a group that I came across that claims that there are actually 950. And all in between 1 and 950, there are kind of theories about the number of names there are for God in the Scripture. But whatever the number is, the names of God are really descriptions of who God is, how God functions, what God does, and the character of God. Of God and so in this series we're going to look at four of the names of God in the Old Testament in particular and their connection to the New Testament so our Jewish ancestors understood that God's kind of actual name was a name that really implies that God was, and God is, and God will be. The eternal nature of God, God was, is, and will be. And so the name that they had for God to describe this is the name Yahweh, Yahweh. Now, that's how we say it. Whether or not that's actually the way it was said, there's a whole long story to that, and I'm not going to spend the time. But here's what you need to know, that in the Hebrew written language they don't put vowels in, it's just consonants. And they write not from the left to the right, but from the right to the left. That's how they write out uh, their words. So no vowels and they write it in reverse order and it's all in consonants. So this Yahweh, this name of God, looks like this. We have an image of what that looks like. And so remember, you're starting from the right and going to the left. So that first that first symbol, it looks like a comma, is the Hebrew letter Yud. The second is he. The next letter is vog. And then another he. Yud, hey, vog, hey, and that's how they referred to God. That was the word for God. Now the thing about these folks is they would never say that word out loud. Well, I say never, but actually there were a couple of times in their. Annual uh, rituals and worship and so forth, where the name would actually be spoken, but it was under this very um, controlled and very precise time within the context of worship that they would actually say that name out loud. I want to pause there for just a second and think about that. The level of reverence and awe that they felt toward. God to the point that they didn't even speak his name. They didn't feel worthy to speak his name. Here's the second quiz. What is the second commandment of the Ten Commandments? What's the second commandment of the Ten Commandments? Nobody's speaking now. <laughs> you shall not take the name of the Lord your God. In vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You know, I think one of the things that we may have lost in our modern casual culture is a sense of the deep reverence and awe for God. We are very casual when it comes to using God's name, and you hear it all the time, right? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Right? Jesus Christ. Right? We're so casual with these names as if they are meaningless. But these names have meaning. We talk about the man upstairs. Or say things like, the first thing I'm going to say to God when I see him is. Anyway. In place of God's name, they had to have something. So if you're praying and you can't use God's name, what do you say? If you're reading from the scrolls and you come to those four letters, what do you say? And so they came up with a word, The Hebrew, our Hebrew ancestors came up with a word, Adonai. And that word for God, Adonai, literally means Lord or Master. Lord or Master. And so when the, when the word came up, Yahweh, they couldn't speak that word, so they would simply say Adonai. It would be sort of like, you know, if you ran into the Queen of England, <laughs> you know, like that would happen. At the Wawa, if you were to run into the Queen of England at Wawa, you wouldn't say, hey Elizabeth, you would say, your majesty, right? Sort of like that. So that's what they would do in, in ancient Israel. Still today, uh, faithful Jewish folks do that very same thing. But in the 800s, 800 years after Jesus' resurrection, as the Christian church is developing and so forth, they wanted to translate the Hebrew scriptures into Latin. And so as they were studying these scriptures and they would come across this this word Yahweh and then seeing that, oh, there was also this Adonai, how how do we put that together? And so one of the things they did was they created a word. They took the four consonants of Yahweh and the vowels from Adonai and put them together and came up with the word Yehovah that later became pronounced as Jehovah. I feel like saying, and now you know the rest of the story. Um, That's an old reference. You wouldn't probably know that. But names have meaning, right? These names have meaning. Yahweh, the one who was, who is, who always will be, Master, Lord, They tell us something about God's nature, who God is, God's character. So then they would watch and see how God was at work all around them. And when they would see God at work, it would bring forth a name, a description of God's character, of God's work. And so the first one I want to talk about with you this morning is the name Jehovah Ra'ah. Jehovah Ra-ah. And that word, ra'ah, is shepherd. God, my shepherd. This description of God's character appears one time in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Do you know where it is? Wow, there it is. <laughs> Quiz number three, somebody write on. There it is. Psalm 23. First one, this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Who wrote the 23rd Psalm? David? What was David's first job? Shepherd. So David, this young man passionate about God who has this job of shepherding sheep, out in God's creation and I can just imagine, you know, in the dark of a night, and it was truly dark because it didn't have all the natural lighting that we have today. So this dark sky and against that, this stars that go beyond his ability to count and reflecting on all that God has done in his life up to that point and in the life of Israel. And had the thought, you know, just like I'm a shepherd to these sheep, the Lord is my shepherd. And just like I take care of my sheep, I bring them to places of green grass and quiet water so that they can eat and drink. I lead them in the right ways where they need to go. When we go through dangerous places dark places valleys the shadows of death I'm there for them with my rod to protect them and my staff to guide them God is like that for me he is my Jehovah raah my shepherd How is God your shepherd? You know, it's no wonder that Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd, right? And I probably wasn't lost on faithful people who heard him say that. Like, oh my gosh. Just as David referred to Adonai as a shepherd, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. I am jehovah Ra, the protector, the guide, the one who restores our souls. So how has God been a good shepherd in your life? You know, as I reflect on that in my own life, I can see so many times over the course of my life how God has done all of that for me, how God has provided for me with green grass and quiet waters, those basic things that I've needed in my life. That God has led me in right ways. And when I have not strayed off, when I have paid attention and followed, he has led me in right paths. And in dark and difficult times in my personal life, in my life with my family, in my ministry life, how God has guided and protected me in those dangerous and difficult times. And God is going to lead us all the way home. You know, as much as he's protecting and guiding and so forth, these bodies we have are temporal, right? We are all going to die at some point. These bodies will shut down. And whether it's sooner or later, eventually that's what's going to happen. But the good shepherd, Jesus the good shepherd, he leads us all the way home. I will dwell, what? In the house of the Lord forever. The good shepherd leading us all the way home. So the other name then for God that I want to highlight for us this morning is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And this also appears one time in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, it's found in Judges chapter six. Let me give you a little background in uh, about Judges chapter six, what's going on here. So Israel has one more time uh, turned away from God and worshiped false gods. God has allowed them to be defeated by their enemy. But unbeknownst to anybody, God is already preparing a leader to redeem his people because God is always in the business of redeeming us when we stray off the path. And so God is preparing this young man to be a leader, to be a judge really. His name is Gideon. And so God sends an angel to Gideon. Now the word angel, as many of you know, the word angel is actually just a word for messenger. And sometimes angels that God sends are in um, heavenly form. And so they're winged and they look very different than a human person. And sometimes the angels that God sends looks like a human being. And that was the case for Gideon. God sends a messenger, an angel, in human form to let Gideon know that God has chosen him to help redeem Israel. And I love Gideon's reaction because it is sort of like Moses' reaction when God said, I'm going to use you to free my people. And Moses had a laundry list of reasons why that was a bad idea. And Gideon had the same kind of response, like, nope. You get the wrong guy for all of these reasons. But then eventually, Gideon recognizes that the person he's speaking to is an angel sent from God. And he's terrified. I have looked into the face of an angel. I am going to die. And so he's terrified. He believes that his life is over because he's looked into the face of this messenger from God. And God actually has to intervene and say, Gideon, you're not going to die. I'm actually going to use you in a profound way. And that's where the scripture comes in. So it's uh, it's, uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 24. And this is what it says in part. And so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it, Yahweh or Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. So, that Jewish word, shalom, is a beautiful and it's a powerful word that we translate to be peace, but it means so much more than that. It's more than just peace, more than just not in conflict. That word, shalom, has to do with wholeness, completeness, health, prosperity. It is the ultimate blessing. When you wish somebody shalom, you are wishing them the rich blessings of God. I remember when Marilyn and I were in Israel a few years ago, um, you hear shalom uh, quite a bit, but particularly just uh, during the Sabbath. So Sabbath for them is sundown Friday to sun up on on, uh, Sunday. And so... All throughout that time period, you hear people wishing each other Shabbat Shalom, Sabbath blessing, Sabbath peace. But it's this this rich word of ultimate and complete blessing. And so, what's Gideon do with this blessing? Gideon builds an altar to be a reminder to him of God's rich promise and blessing, his shalom over him. And so God becomes his shalom. And he wants to never forget that, so he builds, so he builds this altar. Jesus is often referred to as the prince of peace. He brings God's rich blessing, God's wholeness, God's completeness, God's best blessing to those who follow him, who call out his name. And we should probably build an altar to that name as a reminder to us. Yesterday, Um, I had the privilege of of leading a memorial service here for um, a member of our church, a friend of mine. He was actually the guy who cut my hair for the last 15 or more years. That's why my hair is getting long, because he passed away, and when he was in the intensive care unit, I made a commitment that I wasn't going to get my hair cut until he was out of the ICU. So now that he's passed, I... I've got to figure out who's going to cut my hair. But anyway, his name is Carmen. Some of you may know Carmen Constantino. Um, he and his family have been part of this church for a number of years. And I knew Carmen all those years. And um, I, I shared at his funeral <clears throat> that I watched over the years him go from this guy who's had this, you know, very full, very active life, but, but bordering on chaotic And I was with him and talking with him when his life began to um, come apart. Nothing was working right. And he was in a desperate kind of state. And I was talking with him, praying with him, and so forth. And, And somewhere over the last three or four years, Carmen, who always believed in God, all of a sudden had come into a personal faith in Jesus. And it changed his life. Things that were intensely important to him became less important, things that really didn't matter. He didn't worry about the things that he had worried about before. And in meeting with his wife, Sharon, talking about the memorial service, she said, you know, Carmen, about four years ago, set up this little place in our house, it just a little table, and on it he had a, like a cross, and he had, I had brought him a, a stone back from Israel, uh, from the Sea of Galilee that I gave to him. He had that stone on this table a couple of other items, and a devotional. A devotional called Jesus Calling. She said he would go there in the start of each day and he would read one of those devotionals. And at the end of the day, he would read another one of those devotionals. And it occurred to me. It was his altar to Jehovah Shalom, to the Prince of Peace, To Jesus, the one who had given him the rich blessings of life. I think we all need that kind of altar, whether it's a physical thing or just of our hearts. So these names of God are characteristics of God. The people of Israel saying, that God is my shepherd. God is my shalom, my peace. And so what we want to do as we close out this service is to challenge you. How would you complete this statement? God is my... What word would you use? So what I'm going to invite you to do, and I'm going to do it as well, if you have a smartphone, take out your smartphone. If you're online, um, you can do this as well, or if, you're, if you've got your laptop, whatever it is, whatever your device is. And I want you to go to meethope.org forward slash name. And it's that simple statement you'll find on that page god is my and i want you to just write down what is god to you right now where do you see god at work in your life what is god doing in your life how is god at work in your life or in the lives of the people that you see around you and what word or a couple of words would you use to describe that up on the wall here we have this uh this hebrew description of these names of god And we're going to add the things that we hear from you to that as well. So um, Susie and Isabel are going to share a song with us, a thousand names. And uh, take that time as you hear this song and reflect on this. Um, And this site will be up all week, so you can do it throughout the course of the uh, next several days if you need that time to think. But I want to encourage you to really do this. God is my fill that blank in let's see here.